3: Hello everyone! Today, Teacher Talking Time podcast is turning two. I'm at Alosh Express how incredible this podcast is.
0: The variety of topics discussed in the podcast keeps me on top of my game.
3: As an English teacher, the podcasts have helped me to look at education from a different perspective. I usually listen to the
2: podcast, make notes and implement what I learned in my daily teaching.
4: But with podcasts, I can uh... Listen while I do the washing up or while I'm cleaning the house or, you know, obviously while commuting.
0: Listening to podcasts helps me beat the feeling of professional isolation. These recorded conversations by regular and guest voices fill my professional launch with wonderful ideas and help me stay connected.
2: I also encourage my colleagues to listen to you. And sometimes we gather to discuss what we learned from the interviews instead of having a book club we have a podcast club
4: i'd like to say um yeah so happy kind of second birthday to teacher talking time and uh, yeah let's hope that you have many many more episodes to come
5: this episode of teacher talking time was created with support from podbean as you know Podcasts are a great way to get your message out or engage within a professional or creative community. We use Podbean to host our show, and it's super effective at doing everything you'd want. If you're a beginner or seasoned podcaster, Podbean's user-friendly interface can help you start, manage, distribute, and grow your show. If you're looking to start a podcast for either professional or personal reasons, Podbean is a powerful and inexpensive option. Learn your English as a special link for our listeners who want to try out podbean at no risk learn more about their features and get your first month free when you go to podbean.com l-y-e thanks for listening to us and for subscribing to teacher talking time now let's get back to the show
2: hi everyone my name is carrie
1: what's up everyone My name is Johan. I'm Rosio. My name is Azat Bostaj. This is Alex.
6: My name is Yasmin.
1: My name is Ethan.
6: Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Angela from Columbus, Ohio. Hi, everybody. My name is Kimberly, and I'm from Malawi.
5: Hi, everyone. My name is Marek Kiczkowiak, and I'm from Poland.
6: Hey, everyone. My name is Maurice and I'm from Ivory Coast. I'm from Singapore. I live in Costa Rica. Pavna and I come from Nepal. I'm from France.
2: And I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'm from Huskala in Sweden. From El Salvador. From Macau. From
1: Vietnam. From Korea. And I'm from Turkey. And I'm from
6: China.
2: I'm originally from Egypt. I lived in the UK and the UAE and I'm now living in Canada. You're listening to. You're listening to.
6: And now you're listening to. This is
2: Teacher Talking Time. Teacher Talking Time. Teacher Talking Time. Teacher Talking Time. The
1: Learn Your English.
2: The
3: Learn Your English.
6: The Learn Your English podcast.
1: And you're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast.
5: Uh, and we have some uh, some people who have have joined us. So, hello if you're watching on YouTube, and hello to. The few of you who are here in the meeting with us. So let's just jump to it um, since you're here and we can take advantage of that. What uh, maybe Dr. Michelle, will start with you. What does podcasting mean to you in terms of development and how have you we, we know the answer. So we'll just ask you to explain it. How have you incorporated it into your professional life, into your teaching life and maybe even into your students lives?
7: Yeah, thank you. Um, let me start to you guys with uh, congratulations, indeed. In two years, uh, Learn Your English podcast, teacher talking time. I think it's uh, it's been really taking off already. I think, and and it's uh, good to have been part of it also a little bit. And um, how how am I using it? I mean, maybe I should start by saying that I've always been a listener in a sense that I really like listening much more than, than for example, watching YouTube movies or something like that. I I really uh, like being able to listen to things. So I uh, used to be also someone who who switches on talk radio in the morning, the first thing uh, to do. Okay, so listening to information is super interesting for me, or it's just also a habit. Um, And having a busy professional life having a family life having uh, loads of things to do it's getting more and more difficult to listen to content uh when you want it and i think podcasting has really been something that that filled that gap so being able to to switch it on when you have time for it so um when i came first across um this podcast um i think i I was also hooked because uh your opening or one of the opening ones was with uh patsy uh lightbound, mm-hmm. i think so um who's been a yeah one of my heroes for for many years in in second language acquisition research and language pedagogy, so that was great to just listen to that and and um i mean you you have guests on there that have been quite important for my professional life in terms of research. I've read their papers, um, but also in the sense of, um, yeah, also widening the horizon of people that I didn't know beforehand. So it was was really also nice to to open new content and get to know, um, yeah, new information. And as I'm teaching on a master's program of applied linguistics. Um, I thought some of the podcasts you're using uh, are, are inspirational, but also um, also really good for students to learn from. So I started using the one with Paula Winkie last year in my class on second language assessment, um, also as a way of introducing them to, to high quality Uh, information that you can listen to so that research is not only in papers that are sometimes difficult to access, but actually you can also get some information, um, by listening to, to people who know what they talk about. So I've been using that one in my (laughs) teaching in the sense that I have a task-based approach and students do get a task on, um, writing a review of the podcast where they use quotes. From the podcast that I find inspiring. And then in class, we use them as a basis for discussion. So that's, Amazing. that's how I use it.
5: Amazing. I think, I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but podcasting has come a long way in terms of an educational tool. So all the things that you're doing, I know Leo, Mike, and I, and, and everyone listening hopefully uh, you know, loves that. But it's, 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 I don't want to say revolutionary, but it's something that's quite new in our industry, um, what you're doing with it. So it's great to see. And, um, I think that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that more than two years of, of our show. We're celebrating the evolution of podcasting as a, a way for people to learn and learn from each other, as you suggested. And as, as we like to say, you know, it makes articles and, and writers and everyone come alive and it builds a community of, of people and, and anywhere that can learn from each other. So uh, it's, it's wonderful.
8: Yeah, and I and I really think I, I think also your students are probably quite grateful to to have that opportunity because I, I find graduate students in particular um, they are often intimidated by this this idea of becoming and getting published and and I think present as you suggested showing them the different options that are out there um, to share your knowledge and to celebrate what you've learned is is important for your own motivation to continue this drive for. Lifelong learning, so I'm sure your students get get just a lot from it just for that simple fact, right just knowing that there are different ways for them to disseminate what they've learned and to 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 break down that barrier of, of um, getting published and 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 so on
7: yeah, and i th- I mean one of the things is also that they um I think for students, it's sometimes really important to know that these are real people, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the people that write papers, that um, yeah, that, that that indeed they have a voice. And 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 um, I, I mean, personally, I've also I, I just love the one by Jane Willis, and I think I I've yeah, I'm using her her paper, her works in so many years in my teaching, and then just being able to listen to her. Coming about basically, in, 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 in from a language teacher to researcher to such an important author in the field of task-based language teaching, and um, also listening in and, and finding out that she's such an inspiring speaker as well. I mean, that's that's I think really good and great for students also to see that these are not just people that write <laughs> articles, but they have a story to tell,
5: <laughs> and they like telling it. Yeah.
9: Yes. I was just gonna say it's surprisingly that um that podcast that episode is actually not one of our most popular episodes actually dr maria michelle is the number one most listened to episode of the teacher talking time podcast but mm-hmm. i remember doing that interview with with mike and we were just so excited throughout the entire interview because it was such a long conversation and i think one of the most beautiful things about podcasting and i was talking to mike about this before we, we started recording the show is that podcasting it, it's it's a different way it's perhaps a more viable option for teachers for, other, for for people who just want who are looking for non-traditional ways to develop professionally because normally in our field in our industry When people think about professional development or even personal development, they normally think about either taking courses or attending um, conferences and things like that. And podcasting really provides ample opportunities for people to engage in professional development and um, which is somewhat affordable. And to go back to the Jane Willis episode, there was so much learning throughout that episode because we were just genuinely coming from uh, a beginner's mindset we just wanted to know more about um the backgrounds of task-based language teaching how she came across um all the works of prabhu and finding out about um i think it was the background of prabhu's work and how prabhu didn't force the students to communicate as much I, that, that's something that you won't find published in any no. paper
1: yeah.
8: and I, I remember being like really like really nervously oh, at the beginning i think my voice even shook for like the first question and i, I but it, it it goes back to what you said dr michelle that's like that's it's this idea that they, you know that we're reading about these people and we we hold them up on such a high pedestal and then we, you just learn that they're just people and but you wouldn't know that because if all you're doing is reading what they're getting published um it it, it leaves that kind of coldness that barrier there and i know that it's unintended right like um, they don't mean to to come across as cold researchers. It's just that that's the the genre, that's the vernacular. So having this other alternative platform is is great. It's great for them um, to 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 network with their audience as
5: well.
7: Yeah, and I I actually also think that that what uh, Leo was saying before in in terms that attending a course or or attending conferences, it's also so, something that people who want to engage with new content it's it's really hard to fit that into your life but in a yeah i mean i i usually do it when i'm or or listen to podcasts when i when i do the laundry so that's typical my 15 minutes and i can listen to it you know in in the yeah so and and others can listen to it on their commute and and it's just really um an excellent way of engaging with content that's exciting. yeah and, and fit it into your life, and then, as said, we have all those people from all over the world that can just join and and tell you what inspires them and and keeps them going. I think it's yeah it, it's really cool
5: i'm a I'm a shopper when I go to the supermarket, that's when I listen to podcasts that's my my go-to. It's funny, I don't listen to them at home, which is I feel like what most people do, <laughs> but when I used to commute back in the days of commuting um i used to listen to it on the commute and now it's going for a walk my afternoon walk or whatever and going grocery shopping um basically never at home although sometimes but it's kind of curious i guess leo when do you listen
9: oh i actually have i wanted to get into the research later but um i have before we answer that question andrew i have i conducted a research a very informal research with um teachers in our instagram page We have about 6,000 people, 5,000, I don't know. And 98% of those people are teachers. So I asked them a bunch of questions yesterday, and I just wanted to share them with you. So one of the questions that I asked a lot of the teachers, and again, just to go back to this idea of professional development, um, a lot of teachers, I think, in in different parts of the world, they are still under the impression um, that professional development means being trained. And I think it was... Um, I think it was Wallace in 1991 who wrote a book, "Training Foreign Language Teachers," and he talked about um, this top-down approach to professional development, which basically entails the, the expert uh, lecturing at the teachers. This transmissive uh, model, which again becomes very pervasive with the, the uh, with PPP, which is to me an extension of this top-down approach to professional development. And what happens in this kind of approach is that teachers eventually become passive consumers of information, whereas podcasting is more what we call bottom up because it involves reflection. It involves something, It's it involves a level of agency. As most of you have said, you can actually decide whether or not you wanna listen um, to a podcast. And I think it was uh, research by Steve Mann and, and Walsh who basically call this, um, professional development in the wild and I really like that because it's it's really moving away um, from the boundaries of being in a classroom developing and as you said uh, uh, Mariah there is no um, there's no opportunity most of the time for people taking a course to really engage with the information and I was talking to a teacher recently and she said she took a training course and the training course took about a week and I said week and she said yeah and all we did was reading and and producing um papers and doing case studies but there was very little engagement very little uh almost no opportunity for them to reflect for them to design for them to for them to 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 have this this dialogue um with regards to what they're they're consuming and just to go back to the research now to the to the to the question so 71% of the people on our page said that they actually listen to podcasts. And then I asked them, do you find that you actually learn from podcasts? 92% have actually um, stated that they actually learned something from podcasts. And, but here's the interesting thing. Um, and I asked them, did you know that there is a growing body of evidence suggesting that podcasting is indeed an effective way of learning and developing. And then we have a bit of a of a, a, a division here with 60% saying yes and 40% saying no, so it's still somewhat relatively new to a lot of people, and the other question that I asked, do you benefit personally and professionally from listening to podcasts, and approximately ninety percent of the people have said that they actually have learned from from podcasting so I think there are a couple of very interesting findings
8: mm. for
5: us to discuss here very interesting
8: yeah and and I wonder if it's a just a matter of perception, leo like it goes back to what you said earlier, a little bit about um um how people view professional development or conceptualize it, right? Like if you're conceptualizing it as something that you are, that you receive, Mm -hmm. then then it's not surprising that you might have say 40% who who feel that podcasting wouldn't necessarily associate with um, professional development. But if you take the, like an, an alternative look at it and you think, okay, so as I'm listening to this podcast, I'm internally kind of, Constructing my own understanding, I'm relating what's being said in the podcast to my own situation. Um, then I'm developing, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or if if it's like you and I, if we're we're working with, um, we're interviewing Jane Willis, and um, we're we're building that, we're constructing that dialogue as we go along. Um, then we're, we're we're building our knowledge through through your ideas, through my ideas, mm-hmm. through Jane Willis's input, and and we're developing that way. So. Again, just I, I feel like it, it, it might be a matter of perception, right? If you if mm-hmm. you view development one way, it might change the way you approach how you listen to um podcasting. But uh but overall, yeah, I think I think it's without a doubt, there's lots of things going on as you listen to these podcasts. Even, even if you're shopping like Andrew or um um doing the laundry. Rarely, rarely
5: shopping. Right. I try not to.
8: <laughs> try not to, yeah. But but yeah, I, I think because there's a just to finish up, there's just a lot of reflection that goes on and it's um it's yeah, it's it's both internal and and co-constructed in many ways. Yeah.
9: There there's one thing I wanted to add to that, Mike, before Andrew takes over and we move on to the next point here. But um and I think it was um the same man and Walsh talking about this idea that bottom-up development doesn't really necessarily doesn't always involve listening to podcasts. It could be Anything from like watching a YouTube video or it could be uh, reflecting on a classroom event or writing down some of the ideas that you had or, or some things that you wish you had done in your class. So I think we're still very much stuck on this idea that the only way teachers can develop is by taking courses. And I think in a lot of settings, in a lot of contexts, and I think you know which contexts I'm talking about, people are still very much... Um, idolizing this idea of taking training courses. And I think and I think it was Borg, just to piggyback on what you said, Mike, Borg was the one who said that this, this bottom-up not only encourages reflection, it is a reflective model, but he said that it really promotes this critical engagement with, as you said, Mike, with the received knowledge while developing your own understanding of your beliefs, and practices and I think all of us and, and we I remember this in the Jane Willis episode and even in the podcast with 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 Mariah and even in the one with Jason Anderson as I'm listening I am I'm I'm able to really reconceptualize and reframe some of the ideas that I have about my own philosophy of teaching and trying to see what fits and what doesn't fit, or whether I agree with this or whether I disagree. And sometimes I found myself rewinding parts of it and thinking, I don't know if I agree with that. So there is there is some sort of development happening there, but we don't, because it's not formal, it's not we're going to school, we're taking a course, we don't perceive that as development.
8: Yeah, it's this side this uh, I don't know a lot about the concept, but this notion of ways of knowing right like by by doing that you're thinking, well, what do I really know about this topic right and and how can I demonstrate that and. Maybe it is, as you suggested hitting pause and reflecting a little bit going back does that jive with what I do in the classroom. Um, So it's it's really neat how you can um, take something like a a, a two-hour podcast and really break it down and to to relate those different sections to your own knowledge and and your own classroom situation.
5: And it goes both ways, I imagine, because I've never written a research paper. But I would imagine if I had 15 years ago and I was invited to talk on a podcast in 2021, likely what I wrote about has changed in the last 15 years. So I'm able to expound and to explain. And obviously there are constraints and restrictions for writing and publishing those types of papers that maybe, I'm assuming, you wouldn't have been able to get everything in that you originally wanted to. So I think, you know, we, we joke that our show is a long-form podcast, which it is. Leo always jokes that our webinars are four hours and our podcasts are eight hours, but uh, they can be <laughs> if you want them to be. Uh, if you rewind and you really kind of taskify, if you will, um, listening to any show that you listen to you can get out of it what you want and You you kind of beat me to the punch and this is before we open the floor there's other people here that we want to hear from and how they use podcasting in, in their own contexts but we mike and leo we, we use the the concept of relationships when we teach academic writing and we do that purposefully because you have to d- define what the word relationship means when you write your essay because it's it's such a simple word that everyone has a very superficial idea obviously of what that word means but when you get down to it well, what type of relationship are you talking about what relationship between whom and and I think professional development is another one of those words where it's so pervasive and it's thrown around so much for good reason but what does it mean and how do you define it and I don't know that we can other than saying you have to define it for yourself and for your own context and I think podcasting is one tool that allows teachers and us to take from it what we need to, as opposed to what Leo talks about a lot with top down and being told or being talked at um, in terms of what I can get out of it. Um, I hope not just our show, but all, all, all ELT related podcasts uh, allow teachers to take from it and, and the, the experts as well to take from it what is necessary for, for their own development. And that's my TED talk.
9: It's a lot of interesting points there. I I would like to hear from some of the people that we have here a little bit about their own experience with with podcasting. Do you find that as you are listening to a podcast, do you do you find yourself reflecting? Do you find yourself pausing? Do you find yourself rewarding, uh, rewinding certain things, writing things down? I remember when I listened to because I usually listen to every episode after it goes. Um, on the platform, and I find myself really reflecting on a few key ideas and trying to expand on those ideas when I go for my own, for my own walk. So perhaps we can, we can hear from some of the people who are here with us today. Mm-hmm. To talk a little bit about that. How do you listen to podcasts? What do you get out of it? People are very shy.
5: The beauty of a live show is we'll just wait and wait and wait. <laughs> <laughs>
10: I'm just going to unmute myself. Sure. Um, (laughs) Hi, everyone. Uh, Hi. Thanks so much for doing this. I think it's really cool. And first of all, congratulations um, on your two-year anniversary. Thank you. Uh, Again, like um, Andrew, when we used to commute to work, when I used to commute to work, I would listen to all sorts of podcasts, not just educational ones, but... um, entertaining ones as well and my all-time favorite is away with words mm-hmm. um because i have even before i became a teacher i've always been a word nerd uh and uh leo i have always found myself sort of pausing and reflecting on so the format of that podcast is that people uh, call in with language questions Mm. Uh, they call in with stuff like uh, fights between family members about how a word is pronounced <laughs> and things like that. And <laughs> I've definitely paused and uh, tried to think of how I would pronounce it because I don't have what is called. And I'm, uh, I'm not on video, but I'm doing the air quotes, what is called a standard English accent. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I reflect on stuff like that, um, especially when they come up with Uh, like, idioms that are regional, I try to think of what I would say instead or what I would say in my native language and things like that. So it is a very reflective process for me, even when I'm listening to, you know, entertaining stuff about books or TV shows, I'm always trying to think in the background um, how it relates to what I have watched or what I have read and yeah. And when I was teaching, um, I had the opportunity to teach um, English to, not English, well, uh, post grad prep to English teachers or English teacher trainees. Uh, so it included, so these were Chinese teachers uh, who were here in the US about to begin their MAT SOL. And I was entrusted with helping them. Uh, sort of get used to the American way of the American classroom, I guess. Uh, So we did a lot of episode dissection of, um, I think it was the TEFL Institute podcast, Mm -hmm. um, where they talk a ton about, you know, teaching techniques and things like that. And I definitely see myself doing that again, if I had an opportunity Very recently, as recently as last week, I listened to you guys' How to Have a Conversation episode. (laughs) I don't remember the exact title of it. And I really loved it because uh, while we talk about these are the parts of a real conversation and this is how you do small talk, I had not um, heard of the four A's technique before. Mm -hmm. So again, that is something that I foresee myself using in the classroom
5: wonderful so yeah the uh, away with Thank words you. i've listened Thank to you. that a lot too it's one of my favorites it's really well done it's really interesting it's beautiful yeah, yeah. it's
10: one of my favorites definitely it's right up there
5: perfect uh maybe adiane wants to chime in yes all right
3: <laughs> actually first of all congratulations i was listening to podcasts like 30 minutes ago and it is amazing how you are so spontaneous when you are talking how you your ideas are aligned um, among yourselves it is really nice and uh like um the pika her name i don't know how to say it Mm -hmm. but yes like she said uh, sorry sorry I reflect a lot like um, I pause every time and it the podcasts they have helped me not just like on my professional life but as well in my personal life because sometimes I wonder, wow, I guess they recorded this for me. and then I always write down uh, some reflections, I write down expressions, um different vocabularies. norm, I, I actually have a notebook. I, I Write like a summary of things that I have learned while listening to the podcasts. Um, The content are really good. Uh, I have had opportunities to learn about different orders, different topics. Uh, I also share them with my students. I encourage them to to listen to the podcast. Actually, we have done some activities with two podcasts. uh, The one about keeping the conversation that they difficult to, to keep Moving on with the conversation we normally stall. Uh, and the other one was about visualization. We worked with these two podcasts and they they liked it. Uh, like Mariah said, it is real people talking. And then it is nice. They feel part of their own uh, learning process.
5: How did it go with your students?
3: Really good. Actually, they, they love it. Like they said, the podcasts. Are good, easy to understand. The pace of the communication, even the words they said, that uh, they could keep, like following the ideas. Yeah, I, I don't know because I just like love teacher talking time podcast. I listen to it all the time, so it's yeah. that's it. I just wanted to say thank you because honestly, it has helped me a lot. I listen to. Teacher Talking Time podcast every day. And like every time, a different reflection, different learning. Um, you know, just for me to be here talking, it is already an improvement.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah. Thank you.
9: Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot of interesting things there, Andrew and Mike and everyone uh, listening to this because I was, when I was doing my research, I was looking into the advantages of educational podcasting. And interestingly enough, one of the Main sources of my, one of the main sources for my sources in the, in the in the dissertation was actually one of our one of our guests, uh, Fernando Rosel Aguilar, and um, he wrote an article in two thousand seven, I think it was called "Top of the Pods," and it was a seminal paper because it was the first published paper on podcasting. And I used a lot of um, a lot of his ideas. I quoted him quite a lot, and then eventually Mike and I had the opportunity to interview him for the Teacher Talking Time. And I think it was right when the pandemic struck it was like beginning of march if i'm not mistaken it was yes yeah. right but one of the things he said it's funny because what everyone is saying is exactly in line with what the research suggested that um the pod- pod- podcasts have a lot of uh, potential as language learning tools as well um they can advance learning in areas such as pronunciation um, vocabulary grammar listening speaking and they can also act as supplementary learning aids, and I think Mariah can talk a little bit about that with with her MA students. Um, and as some of you have said, Deepika and Ediani and other people, reducing this isolation because teaching is a very uh, a very lonely um, profession because you're stuck in a classroom, and especially you very rarely does right? You have mm-hmm. no contact with people and promote this sense of belonging. And I thought this was only. Especially the part about uh, developing your language, because when I was doing my research, some of the people that I've interviewed for for the paper, they were Brazilians or, or Spanish speakers, and they said that they benefited tremendously from listening to podcasts because it really improved their listening, um, uh, their just their listening skills in general. Because they said that they have they don't have a lot of opportunities to listen to English outside. Um, the classroom or, or the textbook. And I thought this was only with native, non-native speakers of English. But interestingly, I had two native speakers who, one guy who was living that I interviewed, and he lived in a very small village in Italy. He said, the podcast is the only exposure that I have to English. And he said, I was losing my English because I've been living in Italy for such a long time. And listening to the podcast really helped me with my, uh, with my listening skills, not to mention the fact that as many, as Adiani mentioned, it really promotes this lifelong learning mindset, which is something that we we're constantly talking about in our podcast. And of course, as Andrew men- mentioned, accessibility, uh, flexibility, allowing multitasking as, as Mariah said, she's doing her laundry. Andrew is shopping. Mike is ice skating and listening to a podcast. I'm usually going for a walk. Um, and uh yeah it's it's just a breath of fresh air for those who seek a different kind of input that is not just written text
5: and podcasting isn't new it might be relatively new to our industry but there's it's not new in general and there's hundreds of thousands i mean whatever you're interested in there's dozens on that topic that you could choose from so it's 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 very accessible and and yeah i mean obviously we're biased because we love them but they're a great tool for sure and i think the
8: accessibility goes both ways um and this uh to uh uh Deepika's point um Leo surely like in our preparation for the podcast like we're, we're we're going through we're we are researching just so you know like we're going through we're getting the background information we're finding out about alignment we're delving deeply into task-based language teaching but I think for for the creators and of course if you were to create your own podcast um the the creation and development side of it really helps you think about how you're going to translate your ideas to the audience. And I know Leo, you and I have been—you especially—been playing with the Feynman technique lately. And this goes back to Deepika's point, which was that you know, as as audience, uh, as the audience is listening, they're they're kind of visualizing what we're talking about. And and as creators, it's been our challenge to 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 create the content in a way that is accessible, right? So that the audience can latch on to what we're saying, the main points of alignment, right? The main points of the task cycle. And, and I think that for, you know, for us as kind of scholars and practitioners, it's it's really important that we are finding ways to talk about these complex ideas in in a manner that is easily understandable, right? That translates to the classroom and that, so that, people can try um, out these new techniques like Ediane and, and so on. So I, I think podcasting from, a, from an audience perspective is definitely a way of learning. But really, as a, from a developmental perspective and creator's perspective, it also is quite useful because it's challenging us to find new ways and simplified ways of talking about really complex ideas. It certainly helped me with my own studies.
5: Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
6: You know, quality professional development is such an important part of the teaching industry, but it's surprisingly hard to come by. That's why I was so pleased to come across Learn Your English, a company providing online teacher education courses with a fresh perspective. My name is Erin, and I'm an English language teacher. After a decade in the classroom, I found myself teaching the same things in the same way. My learning seemed to have plateaued. I wanted to take charge of my learning, and I really like how the online Learn Your English courses don't prescribe anything. They motivate me to reflect on my teaching and propose tactics and ideas I hadn't considered. If you're a language teacher wanting to learn inside your busy schedule, I highly recommend their online courses on Thinkific. Head on over to lyenetwork.thinkific.com. That's lyenetwork.thinkific.com. Take control of your education. You won't regret it
2: what's up my people what's up everyone i hope everyone's doing okay uh, i'm ian my name is ian salif i'm from russia I live in Ecuador in this moment and uh you're
9: listening to the teacher talking time the learn your english podcast
5: so i have a little bit of a reflexive exercise for us if you're ready <laughs> uh... Michael Leo, do you remember the first episode that we recorded? Twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
9: twenty uh, yeah. nineteen. Yeah. We talked January? about February? no. We talked about habits. Uh, don't, yeah. don't 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 no. like don't set resolutions. Ah, cultivate habits. That was, that, that was number two.
5: That was number two. Number two. I don't
8: remember number one. <laughs> number two was what what the podcast is and why we're doing it.
5: Yes, that was the first one. That was the first one in Leo's uh, dining room at his house. We all sat around I the I do table. remember that. And oh, yeah. I think it's the only time we were ever in the same room recording an episode. <laughs> <laughs> but Gosh, so uh, it's I- I've listened back to it a couple of times and like the audio is no good We don't sound good. (laughs) I don't like it very much at all. But I guess that's the point, because over two years we've grown, not only with Mm. our audio engineering of the show, but uh, as teachers and as practitioners, and we hope the audience has as well. So the reflexive exercise is twofold. One, why did we start the podcast? And two, how have we grown as individuals in the two years we've been doing it?
9: Wow, that's a really difficult question.
5: (laughs) So I ask the questions, I don't answer them.
9: I'm going to link mine to, to a lot of things, but I'm going to try to keep it brief, I promise. Um, I've always been a a huge fan of of podcasting, again, because I think it's a different learning modality. And I was talking to Mike about this earlier today. And um, I wish I had come up with this idea or had come across this idea before I, I had written my, my dissertation, which is the John Cleese from Monty Python, who, who talked about this idea of open mode and closed mode. And he basically said that um, creativity is not possible when you are in this closed mode. So the closed mode is basically when we are too focused on our to-do lists, when we are in this very deep state of focus, we are working towards a very specific outcome, we have to finish that paper, we have to finish writing this thing, and we are fueled by what they call productive stress. So it's that adrenaline, and you you can't really, you're just getting, you're trying to get it done. By contrast, the open mode, according to him, is more relaxed, it's more expansive, it's less purposeful. And we are, because we're more relaxed, we're more contemplative, we're more inclined to humor. And consequently, we're more, more playful. And it is in this open mode that we're able to really develop, to really grow, to really reflect. And I think for me, podcasting is an example uh, for me growing or, or, or what I have, how I have developed with podcasting is I was really able to to develop this creative open mode of, of myself because I'm, I find that a lot of the times I am in the closed mode, which is what another writer calls the coffee mode because I'm always trying to get it done. I need to do this. I need to finish this. Whereas when I'm in the open mode, which the same writer, another writer calls it the beer mode. You're more <laughs> relaxed. You're more playful. And I think podcasting allows for this. And a, a good example of that would be Alexander Fleming because apparently when he invented uh, the peni- uh, penicillin, um, apparently he he was in the in the open mode because he was just playing around. He wasn't drunk? in a focus mode. I don't think he was drunk, <laughs> but he saw like a petri dish um, near an open window, oh, and then he my. just started playing with it. And it was full of mold, and eventually that that's how he came up with the idea for for uh, penicillin. So he 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 wasn't really focused on trying to find a cure. And I think the same thing with podcasting. Podcasting has helped me and has helped me develop in so many ways in terms of interviewing, in terms of questioning, in terms of furthering my own thoughts and really adopting what Mike and I talk a lot about the, the Zen, in Zen Buddhism, this idea of having a beginner's mindset, because when I approach podcasting, I'm approaching it from the perspective of the listener. What is it like to know to not know what you know already? So I'm always trying to otherize myself and think: if a person is listening to this podcast, how can I keep it as simple as possible, as less, as as Andrew likes to call it, less inside baseball? Let's let's use let's not use jargon. Let's keep this. Conversational, and again, I think it has improved my confidence. It has done a lot, and I think my my dissertation was was the the, the culmination of all these years of my love for for podcasting.
5: Beautiful,
8: yeah. How do I follow that up?
5: Good luck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no,
8: listen, Leo's pretty basically. He's he's said it all um, without the drama, which is awesome. I, I thought you were going to make me cry or something there. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I think. I go back to what I what I said earlier. I think for for me, it's it's what Leo said. It's the the this idea of of putting yourself in the in the audience's shoes and and thinking if if I was an audience member, what would I like to know? Um, I'm going to be honest with everyone. Leo knows this. Andrew knows this. I was really nervous for my first few episodes recording the podcast. I thought it was something unattainable, and and um, I. I was quite reluctant at first to take part in interviews. And, and even still now, it's, I, I find it a little bit intimidating. But, um, but what got me through it was, was knowing that the show wasn't so much about me or, or what I knew about the subject, but rather what I felt the audience would like to know. And it was that this duty that Leo's speaking to, right, this duty of my job as the interviewer is to get as much out of this, Precious forty-five minutes or four hours that I that I have with this person, and uh, and to hopefully answer the audience's questions. and um, And I think that alone has been my 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 growth, as Leo said. It's the it's the becoming comfortable in your own skin, be comfortable not knowing, and and be comfortable asking questions. Because I think a lot of people feel intimidated to ask questions. They feel it might present them in a certain way. And I certainly have felt that for a long time. and And I think the the podcast has been a real safe space for me to kind of. Um, just ask questions and to and to discover, yeah. And I think I have to say I've also learned how much work they are putting together because Andrew works endlessly with the on the, the production side of it and yeah. the editing. And Kudos Andrew. to Andrew. Yeah. Kudos to Andrew for keeping this going.
5: I have beer for that too, so it's okay.
8: Beer mode. <laughs> beer mode. Beer mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not supposed to be twenty four seven though, Andrew.
5: No, no, not anymore. What about you, Andrew? I mean, I all of that. I don't wanna repeat. I mean it's it's the same. But I, I think for me, apart from learning how to put a show together, like on the engineering side, which is really cool, and I'm I'm a dork, so I'm kinda of into that kind of stuff. Um is that community, and I know Leo, we're gonna to get to your research here shortly, and that's one of the factors you, you talked about, is is how podcasting builds a community and, and kind of you know, it's corny, but brings people together and globalization and the whole thing. But for me, there's very, there's very specific examples of that. And Leo, you were there for both of them where we went to conferences and we basically just walked up to very well-known people. Paula Winkie, one of them. And I almost didn't do it, right? You, you convinced me to do it. And I said, just, just ask her. And I said, no, I, uh, she's a keynote speaker, right? And we just went up and I just asked her, do you want to come on the show? And she said, "Absolutely. How can I make it happen?" And She said yes, and then Mariah said yes. And every, I don't, I can't think of someone who said no. And we have Scott Thornbury coming on next month. And it's, it's not about stature of people per se. It's just that it's a community of people, and it, it does kind of bring people together. And I think it's, 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 it's a great you know, not to romanticize the whole thing, but I think it's, it's great. And we're, you know, making people on 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 a, on a very similar plane where we can all learn from each other and that's been my my favorite thing and i didn't expect that to be honest um at the beginning go
7: ahead can i can I chip in here um i, I think it, it was uh masatoshi Sato who said on his um it, it, in his episode that if if the the work we do as a researcher doesn't go out and doesn't reach teachers then it's useless and I think that's one of the reasons why, at least me and my colleagues, I think in the field are, are so eager, probably also to, to even participate. Uh, so, so and and would would not say no because, um, I think one of the biggest frustrations uh, in in of us, and in, i in, in talking about us as a the community of researchers, the SLA researchers. Uh, in this into second language acquisition is that we have all that research and it's very hard to see that a lot of teaching not a lot but but some teaching completely ignores that and um and it's not and and i think that's that's really where you fill a gap in the sense that you bridge that um because like yeah I think the way how we write it up or which also is another community where we also are expected to write how we write it um is not accessible uh and not meaningful for teachers so there, there's some other initiatives like i'm sure you know about the oasis mm-hmm. uh open open accessible summaries of, of research that is uh, freely available now but this is another way you know to just to also make sure that people hear about what, what we've been finding. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I think that's important. And if I may say something else also about the, the community of practice that you had before, um, where I think it's the so the way of being able to reflect on your own teaching practice. I think that's just super important. And even there, there's research out there that shows that if uh, schools have more money, it would be better to basically give teachers more time to reflect on their practice, to come together and talk about their practice, rather than, for example, making classes smaller. That's often something we say: "Oh, we have too many pupils; I can't focus on all of mm-hmm. them." But um, there's research that supports that actually, if you keep the class size the same. But, uh, give teachers more time to, to talk with each other about their practice that is more meaningful has bigger effect
9: I feel like Mariah kind of answered the question why we started the there podcast there we go <laughs> <laughs> sorry so. we can't do we it forgot. Yeah. we forgot no, that's great. Yeah, yeah. We... <laughs> we didn't answer that question we didn't answer that question. if that i don't think we had we didn't have anything in mind when we started this podcast did we we didn't have like a, no. a very specific aim we're going to create i think as mike said when we created the podcast we just really wanted to be able to talk about the things that we are learning
5: i don't even think we thought of it as an interview show i think no. we just no. thought we would talk about things we thought people wanted to talk about but then it turned into well now there's a guest and now there's another one now there's another one another person who is interested in in participating and like everything in life it just evolves and and turns into what it is and this is the iteration that it is now i'm sure there'll be another one 12 months from now
9: yeah you're right andrew it eventually became an interview podcast interview, long, long interview, long form interviews, because I remember Mark Jones saying like, well, the podcasts are quite long, <laughs> yes. Well, but that's the whole point. Right. We don't want I, we find that you can't really have a deep conversation and really get something out of a 20 minute conversation. I'm sorry, but our podcasts are aimed to be 90 minutes. And as Mike said, most of the time we were very nervous. And just a side note, I remember reading Mariah's papers in the past. And when I saw her at the conference, I said, oh, Andrew, Mariah Michelle is here. Maybe we should go talk to her. And eventually she was having a a Tim, she was having, she was buying some sort of coffee and a a donut or 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 a bagel, a double-double at a Tim Hortons in Ottawa. And that's when I kind of approached her and I talked to her. And and then eventually we've developed a friendship and she came on the show. But it's great because, as you said, we, we met a lot of people. I remember when I was interviewing Susan Hunston, I couldn't sleep at night. Because I kept thinking, I was like, I read all her papers. I know all about, I know everything about this woman. And I was so nervous before that. But eventually, once you start the conversation, you realize that these are just um, human beings. Exactly. Anyway.
5: Um, as we kind of move on here a little bit, um, because we will be here for four hours if we if we don't move on. But that's very interesting, uh, Mariah, about the funding or or allocation of funding in in terms of that. Because that's, I mean, that is really interesting. We've heard lots of feedback on our show and teachers saying that they congregate and they do meet voluntarily um, with with their colleagues to talk about um, not just what they hear on our show, but on on other great ELT podcasts as well. Um, So that sounds very interesting. We can link it if it is open source. That would be uh, very cool. Um, I know, Leo, you wanted to talk about just... Right before bit, we get to your research, <laughs> um, yeah. because podcasting as a development tool, sure, but we can also use podcasting as an assessment tool. Mm-hmm. And I thought we could touch on that um, briefly because it, as we've experienced, and I'm sure lots of others have, it, it's it's more than just what it sounds like. And we have a new project coming up with uh, Carleton mm-hmm. University in Canada, where we met Mariah and lots of other people. And, and Paula Winkie as well um to work with their m a program on podcasting and using podcasting as an assessment in in their field, but Mike and leo you are, are more uh, are better to talk about this than I am um how can podcasting how can teachers use podcasting as an assessment?
9: Well, I think Mike Mike and I can talk about this, but Mariah can also mention this because she she's used her our podcast in her um m a program, but one of the things that I did. Um, last year was um, my, I was teaching an EAP class and I basically encouraged my students to, instead of doing another academic presentation, I said, I would like everyone to actually choose a research paper. I think I asked them to choose a research paper from the conversation, which I was introduced to by Mariah. Um, and I said, pick an article that you like from the conversation. I, I taught, we, we divided, we scaffolded the entire assessment into, t- first you're gonna read the paper, you have to which is a website with articles yes yes mostly yeah i think you have research from canada the us new zealand uk spain all parts of the world and what is interesting is that by having the students actually create their own podcast it has something that mike can actually um, talk a little bit more about which is this developing this sense of agency and very important investment they are definitely more invested in the task, because they are the ones who are going to be um, producing. And I think this this engagement, this development of critical, something that the topology people talk a lot about, this development of critical co-presentership, which I've developed with you guys, um, this stimulus for autonomy. It's something that we really need to be doing more in education, as opposed to tests. I think podcasting really gives us an opportunity to look at different types of transferable skills that I think students are going to need in the future, the ability to interview someone, the ability to read a research paper to summarize that to come up with questions, and then host an episode live for 10 minutes. That's not easy. That's more difficult than having to memorize a bunch of information that you're never going to use in your life. And then just regurgitate that on a piece of paper for your prof. Right, Mike, what do you have to say?
8: Yeah, I, I would agree with everything you've said. I, I haven't used it as a, a tool in my, my own classroom, but I've experienced it as a student. And, and I think that um, uh, it's very helpful, um, especially for graduate students who are conducting their own research and, and thinking in long-term about um, how they're going to eventually talk about their research, both as, as um, Dr. Michelle said, both formally and published, um, journal articles, or periodicals, or, or informally, quote unquote, informally through um, conference presentations, um, or, or modes such as mediums such as podcasting. But um, the the project that I experienced firsthand was was kind of tied into what we have run in Canada, which is called the the three minute thesis competition, and. Um, part of that is for you to articulate the main points of your thesis or dissertation in under three three minutes in a way that captivates your audience and kind of demonstrates your your own command of the knowledge but also your ability to show as Leo and I like to say some sort of emotional connection to the content and um, so in preparation for that uh, one of our professional seminar courses that I was enrolled in offered um, had a a podcast um activity where we needed to talk about our our dissertation or our upcoming projects in six to eight minutes in a in a way that that incorporated incorporated all of the kind of different bells and whistles of podcasting that Andrew likes to add so the production side of it as well as what I said earlier and what Leo was talking about earlier putting it in, in, a, in a way that's easily digestible and understandable um, to the audience and and I think what came out of that was not only was I able to kind of create this three minute thesis this very even even more narrow format of my my dissertation but but um, it really helped me with things like uh, proposal writing and grant writing um, because I was used to writing not only for myself or my committee but also for for a general person or administrator who might be looking at um, proposals and grants, dealing with a, a wide range of, of disciplines, right? So um, I, I, I think that as a student, it really gives you an opportunity to let those ideas and beliefs crystallize in your, in your own mind. And then you can feel a little bit more comfortable talking to people, more confident talking to people um, about your own research, your own interests. And, and again, because podcasts, the mode itself, pres- provides all kinds of cool opportunities for adding sound effects and, and, um, uh, and other types of media, you can really personalize it. You can really attach all kinds of different symbols and, and, and metaphors in a way that you couldn't do if you were publishing it. You couldn't provide lots of metaphors and different types of slang and, and expressions. Um, so for me, it really, yeah, I think in, to summarize, I think it, it really helps kind of flatten the, 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 the divide, right? Like it, it's, it's taking it, it's removing that hierarchy. It's, it's making it more simplified so that we're all kind of speaking at the same level uh, about the same topic. And, and um, it's been really helpful for me um, in my PhD studies.
5: And that uh, that sentiment, I think, is why a lot of professors are starting to incorporate that type of idea into their classes. And um, mm. when a professor at Carleton approached us to ask us if we would be interested in, in participating in a project like that, I mean, the same idea um, was in her mind because she wanted her MA students to actually talk to the scholars that they'd be reading or are on the reading list for the class. and And now they're doing that, which, I mean... Sounds like a really cool idea, and I wish that I had the opportunity to do that during a course when I was I was in school. Um, to to actually interview and talk to someone on your reading list would be uh, invaluable, I think. So we're excited for that project, and and excited for the students because I think that will be a really cool experience.
9: Mariah actually did something similar, Andrew, and maybe she can All talk right. a little bit about that assessment because I'm I'm very curious because she sent me the the course syllabus. And I th- well maybe you can just tell us more about it, Mariah.
7: Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm teaching this class on teaching methodologies, second language teaching methodologies within our MA program applied linguistics. We have a Groningen University in the Netherlands, and um, I think I mentioned before it's quite an international crowd. So we do not only have Dutch students, but uh, yeah, they they really come from everywhere, from Chile to China, basically, and um, and. The the first part of that course is quite theoretical. So they read a lot about statistical learning, for example, or about implicit and explicit learning. So so quite heavy stuff in that sense. And uh, the second part is that I am teaching and I try to bring it more into practice. So to give them much more hands-on activities, I take a very strong task-based approach um, to that course. So we do a lot of TBLT. Uh, we used to work together with a CLIL school, so content and language integrated school, where the students would then actually go off to teach also one lesson. So they would design lesson plan and then would have the possibility to go and teach there, yeah. um, which this year wasn't possible because schools would not let us in. Right. But um, to still to to engage them with with different ways um, of of research. I basically, um, so I had those different topics per class, so, so, so week by week you talk about, I always said I talked about assessment uh, where I use Paula Winkie's class. Um, I have this one lesson where I have the Willis and Willis 1996 paper where she explains um basically what's a pre-task what's a task what's the post-task and in that episode i also let him listen to the jane and willis uh, interview you've had uh, the jane willis interview and uh, i have a class um where we talk about what we call individual differences so typically something like language learning motivation but also anxiety so there i had them listen to um masatoshi sato's uh podcast so basically for every um class I, I give them an episode and uh, sometimes it's on a voluntary base I so just say okay if this really catches your your interest uh, why don't you go on and, and listen to a bit more and at times I include it in that sense in, in the assessment that I ask them to write a review or say okay so when you've Listen, you've read that paper, you've listened to the podcast, so now I'll write a synthesis of it, which is a very academic task because quite often you have to read a paper, listen to the lecture, and then write a paper about that. So um in 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 so this is a typical academic synthesis task in that sense. And um in my language classes, because I also teach uh german as a second or as a foreign language so i, I do teach german classes and quite often there i ask my students also to listen to i don't know radio episodes and 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 they they yeah they, they listen to patches of of radio uh, they need to find a paper on the same content and then they have to um yeah write a review of that but sometimes you also ask them to create vlogs or podcasts as a response to that so i, I think we would need to take a class with andrew on how to <laughs> do high level uh podcasts in, in the technical uh perspective as well but some of the students are amazing they they put in those jingles and they have music and they fade out in and out not so as we're... hard
5: as you think it is <laughs> No,
7: <laughs> but i mean one of the things that i actually also noticed as a teacher what is nice that you Especially in language classes, you want you need enough language samples to to evaluate how how good your students are. Eh? So when it comes to assessment, now, and um, I think we've all been in those classes with hours and hours of presentations of our fellow students that would just never end. Now, <laughs> what mm-hmm. you can do with podcasts is that um, students have to record the podcast. And then you as a teacher, you have enough language sample to listen to and you divide the podcasts over class and say, okay, each student has to listen to three of them, of their peers and give some feedback on that. So it's it's also a way of dividing the work and and also in making learning more individualized because students can pick the topics of the podcast they want to listen to. And it's yes. So I think it really opens a lot of opportunities for assessment um especially if you also have larger classes larger groups and and you can do group podcasts you have a group podcast basically so um yeah you you can ask them to work together and yeah i think it, it just opens a lot of opportunities from all different sides
8: And it sounds like that the students are, as Leo said, they're demonstrating a lot of investment in this activity, right? They're taking ownership over it. They're adding the jingles. And it's I'll tell you firsthand, you know, like knowing what jingle goes with the definition of intercultural communicative competence is really like, you know, it makes you think deeply about, you know, what you want to project and what you want to say.
9: Beer mode, beer mode. Yeah. What is that jingle? (laughs)
7: Yeah, I'm also interested, Michael, what's the jingle for intercultural communicative competence? You know,
8: I couldn't think of one, so I actually changed the metaphor. And it was a blowing leaf. And then I had leaves blowing in the wind. <laughs> so that's good. Because one has to go with the wind, that's right? Yeah.
9: What's interesting, Thanks for asking just though. <laughs> just before we, we jump into the research, but just to add to that, um, to what Mariah was seeing and what Mike just said my students actually went beyond what I had actually asked them to do. I asked them only to choose the paper that they want to research, prepare the script, not, not a script, but like an outline of the podcast, find out who is gonna be the person hosting and the other two who, is going to be, the other two who are gonna be talking. And then eventually at the end, the other students were actually asking questions. So I decided to incorporate that as part of the assessment because everyone was genuinely interested in the articles. And as you said, Mariah, The students were I had lots of students who actually chose interesting articles based on psychology because that's what that was their major. I had students who chose papers based on engineering students uh, who chose papers based on on business. So it was actually very easy to group these students because they were based on their own interest. And one of the things that I wanted to add is. I had a group of students who actually had, because they were doing the podcasts live and I wanted to see it live because I wanted to add an element of difficulty and complexity to it. But I had a group of students who actually had claps. They had all the sound effects prepared beforehand, even though I didn't ask for that. So I think that's the beauty of it is because they felt like it was theirs. And I think with education, When you feel like something belongs to you and you have complete ownership over the entire process, I think you become more invested
5: in that. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Developing as a teacher isn't easy. It's even more challenging doing it solo. If you are looking to join a passionate community of teachers who love to learn, then the Learn Your English teaching membership can help. The Learn Your English membership allows teachers to develop what they want when they want to. Through monthly challenges, webinars, reflection tasks, and application to your individual teaching context, the membership brings like-minded people together from all around the world. If you love improving and taking risks in education, then join their growing community of teaching professionals today. Find out how at learnyourenglish.net backslash memberships. Hi everyone. My name is Carrie, and I'm from Macau. This is Teacher Talking Time to learn your English podcast. Teacher talking time to learn your English podcast.
9: And I think with education, when you feel like something belongs to you and you have complete ownership over the entire process, I think you become more invested in that.
5: Speaking of investment, Leo, you spent about 12 years, uh, not just joking, <laughs> writing a uh, dissertation <laughs> for investment in podcasting.
9: Well, all of you are here.
8: That's Mike so is rude. here. That's, Andrew's you know, here. Gonna, something's going to happen you, to you. You're going to slip on some ice today, Andrew. <laughs> you you know?
9: were all part of it. No, I
5: can't go outside. so. No.
9: You were all part of this. You were all part of this. I, Mariah was every day pushing me to get into the coffee mode, into the closed mode, just write, just write every day. And then some days I would go into the beer mode, the open mode and just read and think. But one of the things I wanted to say about, about the, the the dissertation and the thesis is, um, it was a piece of advice from Michael a long time ago. And I told him this earlier this um, in our conversation today that I was when I was about to write my thesis, I didn't know what to write about. I wanted to write about task-based language teaching, but but then again, There are so many papers published on on task-based language teaching. I thought about lexical approach. I thought about pattern grammar. I thought about a bunch of different things, but there were already a lot of other research on those areas. So I said, what is something that I really care about, that I'm passionate about, that I could actually be more invested in? And that's when I decided to choose podcasting, and Mariah actually helped me with piloting the interview questions. I remember that. We did the interview questions together. And she said, oh, this question is not good. This one is good. Change this, change that. And eventually, I spent six months of my life alternating between beer mode and coffee mode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was very happy with the overall uh, result. And just to talk a little bit about this, the question was exactly what you said, Andrew. How do teachers perceive the use of ELT Uh, podcasts and again there were two three sub questions Um, what factors contribute to teachers taking the decision to listen to those podcasts what are some of the benefits of using podcasts as a tool for for professional development and and personal development and the third question was something that I was genuinely interested in which is can podcasts be incorporated in pre and in-service teacher training courses and if so how and eventually I interviewed about 20 people and the findings um, are here. We can talk a little bit about the findings. Let's do it. Um, but I feel like we've already touched on all okay. of them throughout this this episode. But I'll just talk about a few things. One of them was um, the factors that contribute. Social media, right? Um, people who use Twitter eventually will find out about the podcast. People who who um, who are on Instagram or Facebook will eventually find out um, about the podcast. Another um, impetus to listen to podcasts was the fact that people were learning from these prominent ELT figures, right? So many of the podcasts that we have out there, they're hosting um, very um, prominent ELT educators and renowned researchers such as Mariah here with us. And one, I remember one guy said... In the interview, he said, the big name celebrity is really important. I'll never forget that. Oh, <laughs> well, if there's a big name, I'm going to listen to it. So, and there was one teacher who said that he doesn't have money to attend conferences because the school doesn't provide for professional development. So he, for him, podcasting was another way of... of I was just going to ask you a question about developing.
5: your research question. Mm-hmm. What motivates teachers to listen to podcasts as a form of development in place of another form? or as their, like, only means of developing?
9: Ah, uh, I, didn't, I didn't get to okay. that part. Okay. I didn't investigate that. But that's a good question. Okay.
8: A good that might be a good poll for the Instagram account.
5: Yeah. Or, uh... Yeah. That's so a teacher that does nothing ever... to develop and then starts listening to podcasts, for example, which I'm sure it's a, mm-hmm. the most accessible way to do it. Or the, the example that you just gave, Leo, where um, a development plan that, that requires some kind of financial... Investment mm-hmm. that may be feasible, may not be feasible. Um, whereas yeah. podcasting requires time investment, but but nothing financial.
9: Yeah. Well, I think I remember one of the one of the respondents said that you don't get the chance to see the people who are leaders in the field. Like for example, a lot of for example, a teacher who works at a public school in Mexico probably can't really afford to go to um, the UK. attend an itafl conference or to go to europe to attend an sla conference but they have an opportunity to actually listen to um i don't know michael long or they have an opportunity to listen to masatoshi sato even though they're never going to be able to attend the conference and if you think about this the conference they only present for 25 minutes whereas the podcast you're listening to them talking about the research for about an hour an hour and a half if they're listening to our show of course (laughs) um other shows are shorter and i respect that um, but also availability, right? It's it's very flexible. That's another point um, that I wanted to emphasize is that the fact that it's portable, it's on your phone, that really f- it, it, it 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 removes friction for development. You cannot say that you don't have time to develop because all you have to do is open your Spotify and click, or Apple Podcasts, whatever you use, and then you can. Um, You can listen to it. Um, Another thing that was interesting that I found was uh, the idea of different learning modalities, but we've already talked about this, but one respondent said that because he suffers from ADHD. He said that reading a journal article was really, really hard for him. So he said that podcasts really helped him maintain focus because they are bite sized and kind of matches his attention span sometimes. So that was an interesting, um, interesting finding um, in terms of benefits, um, a lot of interesting things. Again, exposure to new perspectives, as we, we've already talked about this. And Andrew, maybe you can talk a little bit about this because we interviewed Jason Anderson, who, is, who goes against everything that we believe in, in terms of language teaching. And he's a strong proponent of PPP. And you said at some point that you found yourself kind of like agreeing with him throughout the interview, even though you don't agree with some of, of his and Mariah is uh, nodding her head and well, she's probably I think that's just that the too. nature
5: of conversation isn't it like when you talk mm-hmm. to somebody about something and you're actually genuinely engaged in talking to them and not trying to find a point of like aha I got you not trying to have that twitter moment <laughs> If you're actually listening and actually engaging then yeah if, i mean Jason's <laughs> a smarter person than I'll ever be and he's well read and well researched and he's not doesn't have his opinions because he just made it up so um I think you can talk to anybody and really find points of, of agreement, even if you know. In in this case, the the broad uh, approach that we take is different. But I think he has a lot of points that I think people should listen to. and And if you haven't listened to his episode, you should go back and and do so because, you know, I know we don't, you know, as as a company and as a podcast, don't agree in broad strokes. And this is black and white. There's so much nuance and there's so much gray area. And to say that you should always do this or always do that, I don't think that's a very constructive approach to life and not to teaching either. So um, and I hope that we have a a show that's balanced. I like to think that we do and that to have a balanced show doesn't mean you just invite people on that will say, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. We want people to challenge our views as well. So Jason did a really good job of doing that.
9: A good example of that was uh, Brett Reynolds, who is against teaching collocations locations as well. So as you said, Andrew, we're constantly trying to um, bring people on the show whose views are somewhat different from our own because that's the beauty of podcast. You don't really have to agree, but I find that when you have a conversation with someone whose views are completely different from yours, you actually end up learning a lot
5: more. Well, here's a question that you like to say, Leo, all the time. is It's from the Socratic method, right? Have you ever considered the possibility that you are wrong? And if we have the, the notion of, I'm going to have someone on the show that, that doesn't have the same view as me. Well, the first starting point for me when I did that episode is that. Maybe I'm wrong. And let's go into the episode and, with an open mind. And let's let's listen, and then we'll do that with every guest in every episode we we do that go forward with the same kind of idea. But I think if you go in trying to, I don't know what the word is, but like cement what you already think. I mean, it's not really the nature of an, a long form discussion based podcast, right? Yeah, and, and, and I, I think, think
9: um, yeah, go, Mike.
8: Certainly, you know, you know my stance. I always take an appreciative approach. So I'd go the opposite, Andrew. I'd say maybe you're both right. Ah, um, There are multiple <laughs> truths and in multiple different situations in which A is going to be a much more feasible option and, than B and vice versa. And it's quite interesting that we, we as, as scholar practitioners, are well, you know, very free and open about how interdisciplinary language acquisition is, additional language acquisition is. Yet when it comes to how we do it, we're very narrow, right? Oh, this approach is better than that approach. So that's why I would just say that, that, yeah, maybe we're both right. So let's just find out these different reasons in terms of how one might be more advantageous than another. And then we can get along rather than win arguments, which I think on different platforms, it's come down to winning of arguments rather than just sharing of knowledge and ideas. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's been reflected in the podcast. And, and that's certainly a direction we, we definitely want to go.
9: Absolutely. Um, just going back here into uh, some of the ideas. Um, another one is, is what you just said, Mike, broadening your educational horizon. I think being exposed to different ideas, being challenged. I myself uh, find, found myself throughout many interviews being challenged, even as listening to, as I was listening to the episode with, with Jason Anderson. I found myself, oh, actually, this does make a little bit of sense. But what I really liked about that is what Andrew mentioned is like, what is the other side of the argument? How can I be less wrong? Because we're always focusing on being right. But one of the things I've been trying to do myself is I start with the, the, the presupposition that I'm, I'm wrong. And I'm trying to be less wrong in everything that I, that I do. And a, a couple of other things that people were mention is uh, the benefits. It's a platform for self-directed. Uh, bottom-up, in-the-wild CPD, a lot of teachers mentioning that it's very different from the kinds of top-down CPD that most most schools would offer because, as you said, Andrew, and this is actually Andrew's quote here, (laughs) um, it offers more agency because you can actually choose which episode you want to listen to as opposed to, oh, I want to... um, I'm going to do a PD today on on grammar, but you don't, you don't you're not really interested, you're not really invested in that. But with podcasting, you actually can choose what you want to um, learn more about. Um, what else? Uh, opportunities for engaging in reflective practice, critical thinking, and one of the teachers mentioned this idea of being engaged and interacting with the ideas presented, and he actually said that there was actually space for me as a listener to kind of agree or just say, ah, that's crap. I don't believe in that, but it's the reflection, right? It's, it's this, you're actually using that open mode to reflect on, on the ideas that are reverberating through your, through your mind and not to mention, of course, um, podcasts really foster, um, critical thinking. Cause you always have these light bulb moments, right? Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. To, developing a community of practice. Yeah, go ahead. Not to
5: put you on the spot, but do you have any recommendations, um, other than, than the obvious of, you know, listen to podcasts, but is there something, um, deeper? I don't know. From, from what? From Sorry? your, from your conclusions. So is it, what would you recommend if, it, if I'm a teacher who have never, I've never listened to a podcast for developing, um, mm. And I guess this goes into if I want to use it in my classrooms, too, because we ran a session almost a year ago called Pedagogy Before Technology. So podcasting Mm -hmm. falls into the technology category. So podcasting on in and of itself isn't necessarily a a, a great tool. It's kind of what we do with it. Right. So Mm -hmm. how would you recommend um, teachers use a podcast that they like for their developmental purposes?
9: Mm, That's a good question. (sighs) I'm, I'm going to use different podcasts. I'm going to talk about a different podcast. Um, re- very recently, I listened to um, Tim Ferriss' podcast where he interviewed Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know how many of you know who Jerry Seinfeld is, but he was a very successful comedian. Um, it still is, I guess, in North America. And he had a show in, back in the 90s, Seinfeld. I, I think we're all big fans of that show. Big time. But as I was listening to that episode, what Tim Ferriss was doing with Jerry Seinfeld is they were having a very nonchalant conversation and they were basically talking, they were trying to deconstruct how Jerry thinks or how he approaches the creation of jokes, his writing. And I use a lot of, to answer your question, Andrew, I approach podcasting as a way of learning new ideas, applying those ideas to my life, Finding out what works and what doesn't work, and I spend a lot of time writing down at least two to three takeaways from each episode that I listen to, because I find that knowledge without action is really a waste of time. If you just consume information, but you don't really apply what you're learning, i, I don't I don't see the I don't see how you can actually develop. So to answer to your question, Um, That's what I think teachers could do when they're listening to a podcast. And I think Mariah did this with one of her students, because I remember, I don't know if she was trying to punish her student, but she asked him to listen to an episode with Mike Long, and she asked the student to write a transcription of the entire episode. Oh, my
5: God. (laughs) The long version.
9: The long, Mike Long, long version. (laughs) Now now that's a task. Wow. The long,
7: long version. (laughs) did i i don't think i wanted to hold transcription did i M- maybe because the person had had really missed a lot of classes yes so i kind of um you, i don't uh. think you
9: asked him i don't think you asked him i think he i think he felt misunderstood. bad that he mis- yes he, he felt bad but that this he this brings missed me classes. to an
7: idea <laughs> uh. no but P-native actually i mean missions. i did use that episode um for, it's the um is it from from clb SLB. barcelona slb yeah yeah. SLP and it's um, what I did ask them. Some of the, so it was integrative for all students, but not all of them had to transcribe it. But I they had to read a paper by Mike Long, and Mike Long is quite. Um, i he's always. I think he's also proud of that. At least how I met him. Of um, he's making strong points, uh, so he's not afraid of making strong points. So he also because he really wants to. Um, Trigger a reaction, and and that's also what I saw actually. Was, so I asked students, okay, so you've been reading Mike Long's so and you've been listening to him, and again, there was a synthesis task in that sense, and um, it 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 was interesting what students brought back from that as well, in the sense that that yeah, what episodes they liked and what statements they liked and what they they found difficult, um, yeah, to, to also, st- I mean. Sometimes can also be difficult to listen to, as I say, if you really don't agree or if you think it's, it's not what I want or what I would say.
5: What I remember yeah. from that episode, and it was from the SLB podcast, and we'll shout out other ELT podcasts that we like um, before we're done here. But uh, I remember the interviewer asking Mike Long in that episode where teachers who are interested in TBLT materials could go to find TBLT materials. And his answer was basically something like, well, that wouldn't exist if they're actually TBLT materials.
7: Yeah, yeah, no, but that's, yeah, yeah, because he really just says, you yeah. know, because it's always based on the needs of your immediate students you have here in this classroom. So, uh, and, and, the, I find it interesting because I have a lot of, um, whenever I do teacher trainings also on task-based language teaching, quite a of, so where do I find the book? So can I have a book on a, a real task-based book? And I, I'd agree with Mike Long that that doesn't exist. And if it exists, it shouldn't.
5: <laughs> but, yeah. But <laughs> a very provocative response, right? So yes, bang on there. All right. Leo, anything else to add with the, with the research? Um, I find it fascinating no, because it's that... a topic that I haven't... And I'm sure, Mike, you're the same. That I hadn't heard of somebody looking into before, and it's, it's, it's a great you know. 2021 or 2020 topic because it's, it's moving the industry forward, um, which I think is, is always a really good thing.
9: Um, I think one of the things that I found fascinating was rereading my paper after so long. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, I didn't know I, I had written that. I was like, oh, I, it, it, but it's funny to see how I've actually evolved from when I wrote that paper. And I, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't feel that way about that anymore, which is a good thing because it means I have, I have developed. But what I wanted to say, I think the conclusion is, is very simple, is that I think we need more studies. I think we need, one of the things I remember talking to my, my advisor about is perhaps we need to create more protocols where we have teachers maybe groups of teachers and i think we do this a lot in our teacher membership where we try to link all of our challenges to the current um podcast that we release so for an example of that would be our november episode podcast where we asked everyone to read an introduction to dogma elt and the interview that month was actually luke Mettings talking about um, dogma ELT so we had a chance to introduce the challenge we we took a vow of chastity every teacher who was in our membership said that they were going to teach a lesson without preparing and they would just naturally react to their students needs and eventually we got back together at the end of the month to talk about how the experience went and I think that is the power of podcasting that is the power that podcasting provides because it creates this community of practice that Mike can, can speak more about in a second, but I think that's the beauty of podcasting. It provides an alternative to this very transmissive, top-down model of education where people are being lectured at talked at, as opposed to podcasting where it gives even people who are attending this podcast here. I feel like you, I don't know you, but when I'm listening to a podcast, I feel like I'm part of the conversation. I was listening to Tim Ferriss and Jerry Seinfeld, I felt like I was in the conversation because I was laughing with them. And I think that's the beauty is this intimacy that podcasts, especially long form podcast creates
8: yeah and just to just to wrap up what you you just said it, it's um it's this kind of shared community that emerges from it right for our in terms of our membership it's it's we we unite around the podcast episode and then we we set some sort of task that helps us to actualize our our knowledge or to to kind of practice what we've just learned and we do it in the supportive environment with critical friends, critical peers who, who who give honest feedback and and oftentimes very supportive feedback. Um, that leads to even further growth. So I think it's it's quite interesting what you said, what you just said, which was that you feel like you're an active member in that dialogue. I think that um, that it goes back to what um, Deepika said earlier, which was That you know, you're 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 you're, even in your own mind, you're taking part in that, right? And and you're getting your own ideas from there. It's in the membership that you get to then test out those ideas and to um, share those reflections.
5: And uh, if you'll bear with me here, we have before we kind of conclude uh, this episode, we did uh, send out a request for uh people to join us today which a lot of you have and also if you were unable to to send in um an audio sample um on exactly what mike you were just talking about of how podcasting uh helps you and uh if you're a teacher and when you do a show sometimes you don't get to hear from the people who listen um so in this case if you'll bear with me some of them are a little bit uh long but i think that's that's a good thing so um The first one is from our friend Mark Jones.
4: Hello, this is Mark Jones, and I've been a long time listener of Teacher Talking Time podcast. Um, And podcasts have actually played quite an important part of my uh, continuing professional development. Um, One of the main reasons is that you can kind of do it whenever you don't have time, which sounds kind of strange, but. You have to make a concerted effort to actually get into reading a book or an article. And when I say article, I don't mean a research article. It can even be quite a long blog post or something like that, or even something from a a teacher's magazine. You need to kind of have a bit of time available to you um, to do that. But with podcasts, I can uh, listen while I do the washing up, or while I'm cleaning the house, or, you know, obviously while commuting or something like that. The kind of the time when your brain isn't really occupied by anything of uh, great importance. So um, it kind of occupies uh, my time and uh, it means I feel a bit more productive or interested in things that I wouldn't normally be interested in, such as cleaning and things. Um, so um, the ways that podcasts have uh, really helped me is that I get to use other people's uh, networks of uh, contacts to you know, build on my knowledge. So um, with uh, teacher talk in time, I've uh, had the great privilege to listen to episodes featuring people like uh, uh, Mariah Michelle, uh, Vinicius Nobre, and uh, other people like that, that I just don't know personally and couldn't just email out of the blue um, to listen to. And um, also with uh, um, people like uh, Teflology, I... uh, was a listener to them first and then I got to know them um later appeared on the podcast as well um and appeared on uh the Teacher Talking Time podcast um with uh Chiara Bruzzano and uh it was um uh, great you know you, you kind of get to realise what you know and what you need to refine in your knowledge um when you're um talking uh to somebody else. Um, about something that you care quite strongly about um, sometimes the things make sense in your own head but when you're trying to communicate them to other people um, not always um, so yeah um, I'd like to say um, yeah a well, happy kind of second birthday to teacher talking time and uh, yeah let's hope that you have many many more episodes to come
5: Cheers. Okay, so there's Mark with his... Uh, Mark's great, uh, and he was on our show. And uh, it's funny, the three exact times and places that we say we listen to the to podcast.
8: <laughs> yeah, there's some real saturation occurring there, isn't there?
5: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, go ahead here. And we have uh, Karen next, who's a listener who lives... I should say, Mark uh, lives in Japan, I, I want to say. Don't quote me on that, but I believe he lives, he lives in Japan. And Karen is a listener from... Mecca, who lives in Mexico.
2: Hi there, I'm Karen Ruiz, an English teacher in Mexico City. Why do I love the Learn Your English podcast? In a nutshell, it provides high quality professional development opportunities to teachers. To me, the Learn Your English podcast is my number one on the go professional development tool. I usually listen to the podcast, make notes, and implement what I learned in my daily teaching. I also encourage my colleagues to listen to you. And sometimes we gather to discuss what we learned from the interviews. Instead of having a book club, we have a podcast club where we discuss and reflect on all the insights and teachings gathered from the Learn Your English podcast. I'm always looking forward to listening to new episodes. It has allowed me to learn from top-notch teacher trainers, authors, and educators. Leo, Mike, and Andrew, you are such an inspiration. Thank you for this excellent podcast and all the commitment and effort you have put into it. You are definitely making a change in the field of English language teaching.
5: All right, oh, so there's Karen. That's
2: nice.
8: Yeah, real, real kind of evidence oh. of the community of practice. Brought me to tears. Emerging
9: there.
5: I was going to say, Leo, you okay?
9: Yeah, she kind of brought me to tears here. Seriously. <laughs> It goes back to what Mariah said, right? Just to interrupt you before we no, no, go into the last one. Um, like, what's the point of research? What's the point of doing what we're doing if we're not giving back? Right? I think that's, I think as educators, I think as teachers, we need to always find ways to give back. And I think that's one of the reasons why everyone here is still in education. We're not in it for the income. We're in it for the outcome. Right.
5: Well said. Well said. Uh, Clip number three, there are four of them. So, clip number three comes from our friend Cherry, who uh, lives in India.
0: I need to continuously innovate and upgrade my skills. At the same time, with my classes moving online, I find myself busier than ever before, with no time Mm. or space to do this. That's where podcasts come to my aid. I can listen to them while doing other stuff. The variety of topics discussed in the podcast keeps me on top of my game. Secondly, listening to podcasts helps me beat the feeling of professional isolation. These recorded conversations by regular and guest voices fill my professional launch with wonderful ideas and help me stay connected. Finally, I wonder what shape my professional development could have taken without me listening to podcasts. Thank you.
9: Wow. I'm impressed. I haven't listened to any of these. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's <testimony> the point.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so another. Uh, it's nice to hear where, how, how people listen, when, where, and and how it's useful um, to them, if it is, of course. Um, but not everyone who listens to our show, or any show, are are teachers. So, uh, Adiane was nice enough to send in an audio clip from um, one of her students, who um. uh, uses our Cult of Learning series, as or Ariani encourages him to use our Cult of Learning series um, for language learning purposes. So let's hear just a short part of
1: that one. Hello, my name is Jefferson Pierre, I'm Brazilian, and I study English with teacher Adrian for almost two years. She told us about of. Teacher Talking Time podcasts on last year, and after this, frequently I use it to help to improve my English skills and learn a little bit more. A specific episode that helped me a lot was Mastering the Art of Conversation. This episode teaches about the four A's, a strategy for encourage to keep the conversation going on, and lost a bit of the fear to talk. Basically, the four A's are. The first one is ask. The second and the third A's works together and are answer and add more details or information. The last one is ask again. But the most important of this is the third A, add. They tell us to avoid using on short answers in our conversation, always we need to add more details in our answers to keep the conversation. With this tip, these tips, always I try to use in my class to develop my conversation and help my classmates to improve too. So, in my opinion, this kind of podcasts are very good to improve, and we can listen when we are going to work, going to the school, or in free time. I recommended it for all the English learners. Thanks.
5: So there we go. There's another one. Free time commuting. Wow. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Who mentioned the, the, that same episode earlier? The four A's, the conversation. That's the second time we've heard it today. So that. It was Deepika, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. So evidently that's that's a very good one. Bear with me. We have one more. Because not only did Ediani send in a student clip, but she made a recording... Uh, herself, and now you get to listen to your own voice, so here we go.
3: Hello everyone, I'm Ajani. Today, Teacher Talking Time podcast is turning two. met at Alosh Express how incredible this podcast is. As an English teacher, the podcasts have helped me to look at education from a different perspective. Not only that, but I've also had lots of opportunities to boost my vocabulary. As a matter of fact, I have also been benefited personally from listening to these podcasts. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for the amazing job that you have been doing.
5: Thank you, Ediane. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Wonderful for you to say. It's, It's nice to... It's great to hear. It's wonderful. Leo's getting emotional. I think...
9: I am, I am. I think that answers the question that Mariah kind of answered and you, and you posed this question at the beginning of the episode, like, why are we doing this? I think that's the answer right there. It's, uh, it's to really help people in communities where they don't have access to professional development, teachers who don't have don't even know how to develop because for some reason, we're still looking at education from a very old, traditional, we're in the 21st century and we're still using a curriculum that is from the 18th century, teaching using methods from the 19th century. I think that's basically it. I think that's, that's the answer to the question why we're doing this. I think the reason why we're doing this is because we want to be able to reach out to as many people as we can. We want to be able to help as many people as we can, and we just wanted to thank you all for for your support, for for listening, for for participating, for sending in your your audios, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stop here. Otherwise, I'm going to start crying live.
5: <laughs> that's okay. I think that's a that's, that's yeah. great. No, yeah, but yeah,
8: I'm, I think we're all feeling it definitely. Yeah. No. No. Sorry. Yeah it was a great summary, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. Just thank you all for joining us.
5: Thank you all. And uh, thank you for listening. And it's been two years. It's kind of crazy. And hopefully uh, we'll do this again in a year or another two years. Um, but I know Leo, we wanted to shout out other podcasts that we like within ELT because um, we, that's important. We, there are a lot of other good ones if you're unaware. So um, Tefology was one that is an inspiration for us. They've have been around, I want to say 10 years. Don't quote me on that, but. It, no, I think it's it? less,
9: but they've been around for a long time and um, I think Matthew 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 was was kind enough to actually share a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of his um, his work um, with me. Uh, we had a couple of conversations about podcasting. Eventually we want to do a, a crossover yes. podcast with them. So two, two different podcasts getting together to talk about <laughs> podcasting. Um, I think that's one that we really like. The SLB, <laughs> the SLB podcast is
5: wonderful out of uh, Barcelona. Um, we'll link all of these in the show notes, so directly to their website. So check them out. Uh, and one that, that I listened to before we started ours and just kind of as I was developing was the TEFL Commute. Um, that was a really good one that I liked. And TEFL Training Institute has a nice podcast as well. Um, so those are the four that I guess influenced us. And there are other ones as well.
9: What I was going to say about the TEFL Training Institute, it's a great podcast because it's like 15 yes. minutes. <laughs> it's great. It's like 15 minutes, like a sound bite.
5: Exactly. You can um, do it. If you have 15 minutes, this is what you can do. It's perfect.
9: Mariah said that there's another one. Mariah, do you want to talk about that one?
7: Yeah, it's, uh, I, just, I just put it here in the chat uh, so people can't see it, who will listen. <laughs> Sorry for that. But uh, Glenn Fulcher has a really nice uh, one on language assessment. It's called the Language Testing Bites. And it's just twenty minutes, um, but it's it's really nice, and it's his website on language assessment is super accessible anyway, and and gives you a lot of inspiration, I think, as well. But uh, yeah, I I, I like him, and I think he's also doing it already quite a while, so at least like six years or so, maybe longer.
5: But wow, it's beautiful, really nice.
7: Just twenty minutes. We will add
5: that <laughs> to the list. Yeah,
9: we should invite him to come on the podcast. Too. Absolutely. Yes, we're going to get him for sure.
5: There's a rule of seven in podcasting that I've heard. And I think Leon like I said this to you at the beginning, I think lots of people start podcasts, but the rule of seven, most people, a lot of people don't get past seven episodes. If you get past seven episodes, you're going to be, kind of be in it for the long haul. So those ones that we just listed, Tefology, Tefl Training Institute, SLB, Podcast, Tefl Commute, Language Testing Bites, um, all surpassed that number and are still going, of course. So uh 7 seems to be the magic number.
9: Mhm. Mhm. Yes. Absolutely.
5: Wonderful. Well, I don't have anything else to say.
9: I think that's a good way to um to end this episode.
5: Wonderful. So thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Happy 2021 mm. or 2021, however you're saying it. <laughs> and uh I heard The internet is saying don't say 2021 because it sounds like 2020, W O N, 2021. Oh my gosh. So that's a dad joke from the internet, I guess. But Happy New Year, regardless. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, it was great.
9: Thanks, everyone.
0: listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.